2: Exclusions apply. See site for details.
1: Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro.
2: David North Martino, John Copenhagen, and Al Warren. Heard on KCB, 106.5 FM Los Angeles, well, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back to the House of uh, Mystery, and of course, I'm Al Warren. Now joining me, and the host table is the one and only Mr. Michael Zodiac Butterfield. <laughs> Hi, Al. Hey. You've been going a long time. Famous man going and doing all these TV shows and series and... You
1: know, well, what can I say? You know, I, I got to do what I got to do, but it's great to be back. I'm sorry I've been away for so long. Just my schedule doesn't usually permit it, but I'm glad to Lord be here today.
2: Well, as long as I don't have to deal with some agent to get you on. That's...
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't have that problem now. I <laughs> <gotta, laughs> can't afford an agent right now. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you got to get, you start demanding more money.
1: Okay. I, I'll do that.
2: Yeah. Just say I'll tell them you said so. Yeah. Tell them double, double or nothing. <laughs> so you'll get fifty bucks. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it's a big
2: true crime business. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll they'll get they'll take you to like a McDonald's and
1: get you super size and
2: give you fifty bucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll stipulate that in my yeah. contract.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, yeah. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make sure you're a big star before I'm done. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Al. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm the star maker. <laughs> anyway. Well, well. Um, well, let's just get into it today because we've got, we've got a, a very interesting guest. Um, yeah. I'm sort of interested anyway, because, uh, you know, he's, he's written a couple of books and he's, uh, he was a former CIA, right? Mm. So that's the key thing because thing, CIA makes the news so much lately and stuff like this. So yeah. I really want to know, uh, you know, if he's, lost any emails <laughs> you know it's the wrong agency yeah. yeah well it doesn't matter it just it's all the same right um so now the, the his i guess the newest of the two books was the spy devils and of mm-hmm. course um joe goldberg thank you for being on the show
0: i'm happy to be here I have lost no emails except for yeah. when I uh, <laughs> did.
2: You have a big like, <laughs> delete or anything? You didn't lose anything.
0: No, I, I decided to burn my house down, and burn my computer at the same time, so that got rid of all those emails. Yeah. That's easy.
1: That's a better excuse, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's like that one. Burn the
0: doggy in the computer.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It must
2: be. Um, do you do you ever concern yourself about how a company or an agency like that you worked for before um, gets coverage? In let's say news or events or current affairs, does it ever sort of shy you away from admitting you work for them, or what, what, how do you feel?
0: Um, it never really shies me away. I, my, let's see, SpyDell's came out about the time of, of the Senate report on um, enhanced t- interrogation techniques, mm-hmm. and I was on a couple TV show interviews in my local town, and they asked me about it, and. You just say there's people doing their jobs, and you know they, they get what they deserve, and they don't get do what they deserve. So whatever happens in the news, that's different than reality. I teach I teach social media, news, and misinformation like in some community college. So oh, wow. reality and the news can be sort of different things. Hmm. But it didn't really ever shine me well. I don't, I don't necessarily go out and volunteer it sometimes, but. Uh, it's a whole new world from what it was back when I was there. So
1: how long ago were you there?
0: I was there in the old days.
2: Uh, Did they have cars?
0: They had cars, but CNN was just on the air. 85 to 93. Oh, wow. Uh, The videotape, there was these, there were commercial, there was news stories about these weird things called compact discs and the digital (laughs) revolution that may impact the entertainment and music and world. And, uh so that was it was stone knives and bearskins compared to what we have today <laughs> and that's actually what made it unique back then because it was it was the analog digital transition for a lot of information use mm-hmm. and we were, we we're building it we we're building it back there
2: it's funny because even cds and dvds are past.
0: <laughs> yep <laughs> no. yeah. not are collectibles. So. yeah <laughs> oh
2: no, that's crazy well you know when you're in an agency like that and you decide to leave and then you start writing books like you've done, um, and I know we've had a few other agents on, and of course, uh, what Alma Katsu is one of the more popular ones. Do you, do you, yeah. um, do you have to be guarded on what you do put in your books?
0: Well, guarded, I you signed the secrecy agreement, and I believe in the things I signed so the. Manuscript has to get reviewed. In fact, I'll be doing that for my next one, next couple of weeks. Um, I'm kind of hoping things get redacted, because then you can say, "Oh, the things that the CIA do are yeah, exactly. in my book." Buy my book. Great uh, marketing. I they didn't want you to hear. Absolutely. Um, I, I had a I had a motto when I write, which is I I try to be as real as real as I can if I'm going to prison. And <laughs> so the first book was I thought you know it was very inside the, the doors um, it was basically autobiographical in most cases. The last second one was a little bit less the third one now i'm running out i 'm running out of stories but i uh, I put it in there, but I write uh, and I keep that in mind i 'll be honest with you um, but now that i 've read and listened to I've gone to audiobooks i 've gone to the dark side've gone the audiobooks. Um, now that I have listened slash read a lot of current books, I see what's in there from former agency people, like the great book, Damascus Station by Dan McCluskey, um, Dave McCluskey, sorry. Um, there's a lot in there that I thought, wow, they put a lot, there's, there's stuff in here that I'm surprised. So I guess they're not paying attention, they're overwhelmed, or maybe the, uh, characteristics of what they're looking for have changed. But I do personally keep it in mind to answer your question. I probably lost the emails. Yeah, well, I, I, well, you got to keep beating on it. Have you, have you reviewed my book yet? Have you reviewed my book yet? But there's, but I since I've been gone for a long time, uh, things that I did or know or worked on are ancient history. When I wrote the first one, I wasn't quite so ancient history, so I was a little bit more concerned. Uh, yeah. But there are still things that I... My wife doesn't know, and people don't know because there's no reason to know. Just be—I promised I wouldn't talk about it, so I don't. That's not thats no great honor. It's what I, what I promised I would do. Yeah. Hang on a second. Here comes the mother-in-law. Yeah.
2: Well, it was so long ago. I mean, JFK is already dead now. So just so you know, yeah, I think you can talk about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I had nothing to do with that. I did, I did read a few books saying that we were involved, but uh, not me. I wasn't around. <laughs>
1: Well, this, how do you well, feel about of, that? I'm, you know, I'd like to ask you: How do you feel about that? That the CIA is the bad guy in so much fiction and, film and television is just like an automatic: Who's the bad guy? It's the CIA.
0: Yeah, that drives me a little bit nuts. What, what drives me a little bit more nuts than the agency's the bad guys because when, when you don't know about something and it's dark and it's shadowy. It's it's easy to make them the unknown bad guys. And I actually use that to my advantage in my book. I write things that I know are just thriller fluff but it's the kind of things that people like to read and makes them turn the page which is the whole point but what really gets me is when the media world screws up and and uh, example uh jason born number three it's at born supremacy <laughs> when they when they the the whole movie turns on the fact that the guy, I mean, you probably saw it or didn't see it. The guy gets blown up, and his briefcase survives. And he has in his briefcase a document that got burned, but there is the address of the super secret New York substation yeah, with, the, yeah, with exactly. the agency seal on the cover. <laughs> I'm like, I, I actually sat forward in my chair in the theater and just went, no, no, <laughs> that, yeah. that ruins it. I know there's jump the shark moments, but come on, you know. And this had the flags of the agency in the window that you can look through from across the street. Yeah, and, was- and there's yeah
1: <laughs> hilarious. It
0: just, it's hilarious come on can just i know there's these I mean, and then writers do it all the time oh there's going to be this the logo is going to be on this certain device that if it wasn't there you couldn't write the rest of the book it wouldn't be there yeah okay this wouldn't it wouldn't be there i get it so that's just you know i try to stay real don't don't jump the shark too many times i know it has to be done the coincidence has to be happened the, the moment you kind of go, really it has to happen, hmm. but not the let's have printed on the outside of the book in Morocco, the address <laughs> of the secret, secret substation in downtown New York City. The actual address. Oh, God. God. Sorry. I'm, I'm okay. I'm humming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm humming. Well,
2: you know, I, I, I guess um, that whole thing is what, well, maybe not. How, what do you think the general public gets wrong? about the, the CIA, like in general, like, so what the average Joe citizen out there um, in, thinks about the CIA's and what it is, but it's totally well, not.
0: Well, there's three things. There's several things. First of all, it's not law enforcement agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no badges. There's no carry in the, sta- in the United States. Uh, it, it, it's not homeland. You're not seeing a bunch of uh, CIA guys in, in vans running around spying on Americans with guns. Yeah, that's another, another, another. I like that show, but that just drove me nuts. Um, it is. It's not spying on you. That's that's the IRS's job, and the <laughs> FBI's job, but mostly the IRS's job. And, and most people are just hardworking civil servants who come into work every day and do their job, read their piece of paper, do their thing, are excellent the best they are in the world of what they do, and then go home and play at the kids. There's a very small percentage of people who are doing what makes, they make TV shows out of or write books about, Mm -hmm. the case officer, covert action. And most case officers are in the station and they do their day job and they trudge off to their night job and, you know, they get a couple pieces of paper from somebody or take some notes and come back to the station and type their thing up and are exhausted and go, there's not a lot of bang, bang, shoot them up. It's raising your hand and pledging allegiance to the Constitution to give the best information you possibly can to decision makers at whatever level. So that's kind of what the first book was was about, my first book, Secret Wars. In fact, I dedicated it to the patriots. You know who you are because they, they, they do the job. So don't think that everybody there is a Jason Ford. Most people are... Just people doing their job, and give them some credit. And you're never going to know their name, but their job is to protect and defend the country. Right? Hmm. They're not perfect. The agency makes a lot of mistakes. It's got political leadership. I get it, uh, and everybody takes the beating for that. But really, it's it's just people.
2: Yeah, they're just humans, and they they live just, a life and they have flaws just like everybody else.
0: Yep, and they're not they're not superhuman. They're just Drone. I call them drone bees. We buzz in and we buzz out.
2: Yeah, they're not all like Queen Latifah, where they can walk in a room and you know beat up ten guys in a Beat seconds. up? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. I, I actually I knew a few of those guys, and they're yeah, you know, they they were they were teddy bears on the outside. Just don't poke them in the eye. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. That's like Michael here.
0: You got to be careful. It's exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly.
2: <He's>, he looks <laughs> soft, but no.
0: Vicious. That's kind of a fierce, fierce pictures he's got. On. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's, got that, he's got that deadly zodiac stare.
2: <laughs> well, he was the zodiac, in case you didn't know that.
1: <laughs> yes, I yes. have a solid alibi. I was not alive. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you say. I'll oh, prove it. Yeah, prove it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you where's you your say. birth
2: certificate? Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Yeah,
2: it's probably with Obama somewhere, right? Come yeah. Sorry, I had to. Um, yeah, what made you get into writing a book? like, okay, so you know, so you you have this. Uh, life, uh, working the agency and you're doing your, yeah. your thing and all that stuff and you're going to leave. So you leave, but, um, you're not, you're not a kid anymore, you know, and, and so usually when, thanks dad. <laughs> well, usually when people, um, go into something like writing, they don't do it when they're older. They do it when they're younger. So what, what, you know what it is? What gave you that confidence yeah.
0: to do it? Well, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a tripping story here. I actually wrote the first book in the 1990s, soon after I left. Then late, I left in the early 90s. I started writing in the late 1990s. And actually, the week of 9-11, the day before 9-11, actually, I had my book in the manila envelopes with the cover letters before the Internet, ready to send the agents. And then 9-11 happens. My book is about terrorism. It's about the beginning of terrorism in Libya and Reagan you know, Gaddafi and all that sort of stuff. And so I'm like, oh, wow. So I opened up my my manila envelopes. I rewrite my cover letter that says, if not now, when about terrorism, send them. I got responses back saying, like it, but, you know, no terrorism, no terrorism, which was absolutely wrong because that's when all the bestseller authors now start taking off, you know, Thor and, and all that, okay. Flynn. Yeah. And so I let it sit. I was discouraged. I let it sit for about 14, 15 years. And then a couple of life things happened. My mom got sick. My, my, uh, one of the characters in my book, a mentor, he got sick and survived, but he got sick. So I'm like, this is, this is an omen. So I pulled it out of whatever file I had it on some floppy disk somewhere and, uh, started rewriting it back in the, in the 2015, 16, whatever I did, 2000, one, two, three, 14. And uh, still, so I had been sitting for a long time, so I was older and away from it. I think that gave me a new perspective. And it didn't make me a better writer, but it gave me a perspective on the older characters in my book, how they life experiences, I just wasn't snot kidding, knew everything. And so that book uh, came together, and it is is really pretty accurate. And then I said, I'm even, uh, I'll write the sequel. And, you know, it gets a little harder. I'm still working. I got the kids. And I, I had somebody tell me, no, don't write historical fiction. Like my first book was write contemporary fiction. So I stopped again. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll take your advice. Best selling author. And I stopped writing my sequel and started off the spy devil series. It just took a couple of years to figure out how I was going to do it. How what stories could I tell? Um, a massage and so you got say now i'm a lot older and i'm looking back at these characters saying how was i when i was 40 as opposed to what will i be like when i'm 40 yeah i can say how 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 was i now i'm in now i'm 61 ish yeah. and almost 62 ish and so now i'm the i'm the age of the oldest characters in my first book so i have this i can do a perspective but i also have freer time because i don't have the kids around anymore i don't have that i can I I can occupy my mind, and and if you say why do you do it, you want to tell stories, right? You want to tell them so other people enjoy them. You want to tell them because you just have a desire to tell them. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's about it. You you want you want entertaining. Some people ask me today, you know, are you making any money off of these? I go, money? Are you kidding? (laughs) If I was doing this for, are you doing this for money? No way. Yeah, you know, you're doing it because you want to tell a story. And hopefully, it's an interesting story with good characters. And so, as, as being older doing it, I have a chance to think and look back on events, issues, and life experiences as opposed to wonder what they're like going forward.
2: Yeah. You know, but being older and uh, writing something, I would imagine there would be a subtext or something a little bit more of meaning underneath the entertainment.
0: Yes, in fact, that's what comes out. That's what the Spy Devil series really is. Everybody is a little bit older. And the, the some of the main characters are in their 70s, and my main character is 39, 40. And I had some things I wanted them to say and do. And the idea of family relationships. Not a CIA, bang, bang. But how do you relate to people who are parents or parents? people who you're not related to, but you treat this family because that's who you spend all your time with, which is what the agency family is inside the, when you're inside the hallways or inside the the walls, that's your family because those are the people who know what you really do. So the Spy Devils are a family. My main character works for his mother. That's a family. So there's these dynamic relationships. And I did that because both my parents died within less than a year of each other as I was writing Spy Devils. So I'm like, okay, I need to have some family things in here, and that sort of drove me. Things I probably would not have been sensitive to if I was younger, um, because you know, to be honest, it was getting closer to the beginning for me, and I, to and to say, okay, here's what I write. I don't want my grandkids to forget me.
1: When you so, talked about the how long it took you, and you, you said you had written it before nine eleven. How much do you feel the world of espionage and things like that changed in the time between when you wrote it and when you finally came back to it years later?
0: Well, I think the the trade craft tools and techniques of spotting, assessing, recruiting, collecting those uh, recruitment cycle things those are foundational. But the way it's done, I was a propaganda operations officer. All right, I did I did visual media television type of things, visual media propaganda. That was my best job of my life. Hit the ground running every day. I was 25 years old and a multi-million dollar budget. It was great. And just my job was to screw the Soviets up. Period. Mm -hmm. Well, a few other people too, but the Soviets were number one on the list. And, but that was, as we said earlier, that was the Stone Eyes and Bearskins thing. We were were doing things with paper Mm -hmm. and videotape. Now, it's and so it took time. You did not know if you were how effective you were going against the Berlin Wall when President Reagan says, "Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall." Now it's instantaneous. You have the digital revolution has changed, I in my opinion has changed espionage how it's how it's done, and how it's communicated uh, to the outside world uh, tremendously. Hell. If you bought a CIA mug inside the, the building, it's like, ooh, I bought a mug. Now they sell the stuff online from the agency, right? They have a website, okay? It's it's a, it's it's an open world in some senses, not the actual doing or the collecting, but the digital change has made a difference. Do I know about the quality of the character of the people who are actually doing it? I The ones I know or met are, are good quality and character, maybe a little younger, Perhaps, but they have, their world that they have to look at is much more diverse, and we had a pretty diverse world back in the 1980s and '90s when you're dealing with narco terrorists and hostages in Beirut and Beirut the you know Berlin Wall falling down all that, you know, it was pretty complex it's pretty complex today too, and the complexity of working in this world of those issues is made even more challenging because of real-time information.
1: And did you have to do like some studying and research to kind of get yourself up to speed on how things are now?
0: Yes, I did. That's actually a pretty, that's a good question because I wanted to get caught up. Um, I knew enough people where I could just ask questions generically to say, what sort of has changed? Read articles that have been written about uh, current operations. There's things in the other Government reports, even the Senate report on enhanced terror stuff. I try, try to get a handle on what's new and different. And the place kept reorganizing. They, they reorganize every they time you blink. So back in the good old days, it was DO and DI and DSD, D-S-S-T and t and DA, administration people. Now it's like I, it's fusion centers. And now it's going back to the old way. I can't keep up. So I, 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 the biggest problem was jargon. Mm-hmm. What are they calling things now that they aren't calling them down to not to date myself for me? Yeah. It's, I write fiction. So if, if if I don't know what it is, make it up. (laughs) It's, 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 it's it's just make it, make it up. And the people who really know, they're going to go, Oh, jump the shark, Joe. And they'll, they'll complain like I complain. But most people will say, Oh, that makes sense because you're making something that's reasonable and you don't, I can't, I can't get stuck on it. I try to be as realistic as I possibly can. That's why I said that before. And everybody researches. But the quality of the character of the individual, the means by which the way they do it digitally, the, the changes that are happening in structure, those I just got to keep track of. Mm. And in fact, that's kind of a problem I'm having right now. I'm starting the third of my book in my series. I'm like, I got to know something, but I'm not exactly so sure how I'm going to figure out how to know it. Mm. That's what I was doing actually before we started talking how am I going to figure this out? I'm still not sure.
1: And how does that play into, because I noticed here on your webpage where you talk about how you were, you said it would be presumptuous to say that you're a writer, but obviously you are a writer, but how did that work when it came to learning how to write and how make yourself feel confident in what you're doing?
0: Well, that's a writer's write, right? Writer's write And writers read. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you, either, you should be writing all the time if you can. That goes back, that goes back to the question about age. Discipline. The discipline of, of saying I'm writing from 9 to 11 or whatever your time frame is and taking a break, that you know, that, that might get a little bit older, a little bit more difficult, I think, with somewhat age because, you know, my mind wanders a little bit more freely. But the more you do it, sort of the better you get. The more you read other people's stuff, the more you get feedback from peers, Friends, enemies We're not enemies, but people who are going to give you constructive uh, comments—that really helps. It's, and I need to write more. I just personally, the more you write, the better. You you, ta- you read about how do you start? Just I, I kind of go with the Hemingway method. Just I don't know what I'm going to write. I'm going to write the best, worst sentence I can think of and start writing it down, and go from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll make it better later on. Get that first draft done. You're not writing a first draft. You're never writing it. My, at least I never write a first draft. Yeah. I get it on. I get it in the computer. I write, put it on paper, quote unquote. Then you start to write. Then you start making it. The, the stuff
1: sing. Well, I say that editing is the most important part of writing, right? So
0: that's am up. To, that's what I'm doing. I'm waiting for it right now the <laughs> next book in the Spy Devils. It's an editor. I have a. Back next week. I'm wanting to see what the comments are. But editing is everything. And and it's like, you say you go through the first draft and you go, what was I thinking? You know, Who wrote back? <laughs> you know, was like how, how many trulies did I have that night to uh, to write something like that? And then yeah, you know, and then you got to do the hard thing. I mean, uh, you got to cut it. Yeah. And and I and I told my editor, you know, these these pieces are sacrosanct. I'm not going to cut these. And then I cut them. it didn't fit it just didn't work and he was right so you just got to give up those things that you really like but it's not part of the story and that's why I think you start becoming a writer is when you can give up the things that you really like and put the things that you know are the story and are the characters as opposed to just stuff that you like to write and how it sounds yeah Uh, and I bet you maybe you can use it later you got that cut file and you bring it back some were sometime down the road where it fits better. But the actual writing structure, going to writer workshops and dealing with other writers, you know, there there are some who are more dedicated than others. I'm not that dedicated. Um, hmm. But writers are awful. People, not horrible. So they are. We stink. Yeah. <laughs> it depends upon your genre. I think there's a genre issue there.
1: Yeah, and I noticed here, it says, I have this in common with you, it says that you read more nonfiction than fiction. Yes. Um, and you mentioned Frederick Forsyth and Tom Clancy yeah. and others as people yeah. that you read. But what kind of nonfiction do you like to read, especially what uh, influences you?
0: Well, I read, I'm a eclectic reader. So I, right now I'm doing a Path Between the Seas by David McCullough. Hmm. I'm an American history uh, minor so I do a lot of American history. If you're gonna be spied nonfiction, it's Ben McIntyre.
1: I mean oh, yeah. he's
0: he's yeah. the one, uh, maybe just you know, Operation Minsky at, at all. Or Eric Larson mm-hmm. or Nathaniel Philbrick. I like things that could be seen as historical fiction, but they're actually history, but they tell them in sort of a historical fiction way, which maybe the LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. The that I moved to, uh, so I like, I like to see how they take real-life characters and make them Make them come alive, although they've been dead for a while and make these uh, esoteric events that, oh, they're talking about voting on the Panama Canal. How is that interesting? But, but they make it interesting. Yeah. So I like, yeah. I like that. Um, but I am eclectic when I started getting back into espionage writing again and running, to get really serious. And when I went to audiobooks, I just blew through. As many classic espionage thriller books as I possibly could, especially the first of series. What made them stick? What made Vince Flynn or Brad Thor, the authors, like you know, the Mitch Rapp or Scott Horbath or Mark Graney, Cord Gentry? What made those things stick? And, and, and currently, James Reese and thriller list now, the Jack the, the Jack Carr books. And that's why I wanted to hear it. And, and I feel if I hear them. I don't, my eyes skip. You know, you're reading along and you're kind of looking for the, oh, the daisies were blooming and the sun was shining and the sky was blue. And then he pulled out this Glock and he shot the guy twice in the head and one in the chest. Aha, now I'm to the stuff I like to read. And you sort of skip that stuff in between. But if you're listening, you can't do that. You got to hear it. So I can hear how they write. I heard how Le Carre wrote. I I went back, I'm a Sherlock Holmes fan. I went back and listened to all the Holmes again. Because oh, see yeah. how to, how because I think Sherlock Holmes is the greatest fictional character of all time. So oh, I mean, those are great. People people think he's still alive. He was a real character and that he's alive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, how good how good can he get?
2: He's not, he's not get alive? The, he's not real?
0: Sorry. Yeah, i oh, sorry. <laughs> I hate to hate to, Oh yeah, yeah, yes, of course he is. I go go to Sussex. <laughs> he's, he's raising bees there. You'll find them <laughs> you find them there. You know, so I so I like to, I, I have to study. I need to study the genre <laughs> to get a little bit better. That's why I thought I became a better writer, is just, is understand how the peers did it.
2: And, of course, you read my books.
0: Uh, you write? You're right. Of course. Yes, yes. Like, hang on, i got to Google really fast here. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah,
2: you, yeah, you're supposed to say You always say the host. It's been a yes, big yes, influence. I, I love his writing.
0: Your, your books, I knew exactly which books. Uh, let's see how you spell your last name.
2: Um, <laughs> That's all right. I, I've been put down by bigger. That's not a put down. You're now
0: on the list. Yeah. So you've, you've made the list. Yeah. You know, I,
2: my book made the bathroom in the White House.
0: <laughs> Did it really? Well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you're just too
2: technical. Yeah. Which bathroom? It was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it certainly wasn't Trump's.
0: Yeah. So he doesn't read. But. Um, That's he
2: doesn't. Well, <laughs> well. you know, but you being that um, person in propaganda. How do yeah. you see it now? Like today it's gone wild with like you were saying the digital age and the internet and all this social media. Yeah. And there's so much stuff flying around and people are buying it. You know, like there's, you know, yep. Hillary's cooking babies and pizzas and, <laughs> and you know, all pizza this gate. Yeah, you but all this stuff flies around and it's serious enough that people go and shoot in a pizza place or they go they really believe all this stuff. It's it's gotta be amazing for you being in that business before not that that's what you were doing but you know kind of
0: yeah well i mean yeah we did our things but i think it hits me more in a in fact i teach it i teach misinformation classes in, 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 in mass communication and social media and news i teach pizza i do pizza game and, and the different biases and confirmation bias and things like that and it is I don't know if it would make my life as a propaganda officer easier or better. I'd, 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 have, to, I'd have to think about that for a second um, because I don't know, because you have a specific target audience.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Whether it's a popular, I mean, a lot of stuff we did was generic because we couldn't go necessarily write to somebody most of the time. Yeah, I could and did, but it's more nation building. You know, Soviets, Afghanistan, bad, Americans, good mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, but you didn't really know how effective you were. If, but now you would be able to see that because you'll see the tweet mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. Uh, the guy who tweeted the Obama, you know, sorry, the Osama bin Laden uh, attack, you know, real time. Yeah. That's, you know, when, how could that possibly occur? And someone, someone would tweet, you know, I just saw this piece on this person doing this. Boy, that really makes me mad. Then you know you're having You may have some impact at these, But you're tweeting out, and that can get retweeted, and not be you know you've got a million people on the tweet. Back in the day, all the Soviets that we could do is you you get it on a, t- a station somewhere, or you post it in some newspaper in India or, or wherever the hell it go, and then it would get replayed. All right, oh we didn't post it, or they didn't post it. The Soviets used India a lot. The it would go, it was in the India this, and now it's being replayed. We had nothing to do with it. And that's sort of just generic, you know, high, but now you can get it right away. And that's what is happening inside the United States with information, uh, facts versus fiction, right? Um, and if, if you can't get people to believe fact, then we're, we're sort of in trouble. My job is to get people sometimes, I, I believe, I use the truth a lot. I used fact and truth in my work. I thought that was much more effective than fictionalized real propaganda because people could sniff that. But now you can't really tell the difference. You could put out, and they are putting out, we're putting out, anybody's putting out stuff that is blatantly false as true. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with government, CIA versus you know, FBU or whatever. It's FBS. It's It's everybody can do it. Everybody's a journalist. Everybody's a propagandist.
1: There's so much noise out there. It used to be a much more narrow track for you guys to distribute information and put things out there, but now it's just so much input from everywhere. It's hard for people to separate fact from fiction.
0: Exactly. Well, I tell my class, he says, if you guys don't think that you're seeing fake propaganda websites, TikTok sites on a daily basis, then you're fooling yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, the, the Ukraine Russia is is the TikTok war. It's been called. And so if you, so it's like, well, oh, it doesn't affect me, this propaganda stuff, because I'm just on TikTok and and Snap and Instagram. If you don't think you're seeing it on a daily basis, I've seen it within the past week, then you are, you are wrong. (laughs) Let's go. Let's explain that. So everybody is seeing it and it takes that effort to decide what is verifiable, true or more true or or false, and that's kind of what I try to teach in my classes is to be skeptical, not cynical. Okay, They just say everything's garbage, everything's propaganda, we're lost. They just say, you know what, Eh, that may be true, let me check it out, we have a chance. So I think it might be more difficult for, well, it wasn't difficult for the Russians uh, for for the election because they have a split America. Mm-hmm. It's not as, and it's not as if what they did in 2016 or still doing now is anything different than they were doing in the 1950s and 60s. They yeah. Oh, yeah. they've been they've been feeding the race issue in the United States for for a long time uh, to create the divide, and, and it just became more efficient now that they can just do it from Macedonia and and uh, Ghana. So it, it's hard now to just say that's that's an American site, that's a Russian site, that's who knows where that's coming from. Because people take no time whatsoever to determine the, the validity of what they're looking at. Yeah. They just hit the share button. And the Russians, the Russians know that. They're making it appealing. Are we doing it? I bet, I'm sure we are, but the, the internal social media world inside Russia might be slightly different than the one inside the United States, I would say. <laughs> yeah. um, just a little bit. So we're, we're a much fertile ground for using those techniques. It's a, it's a little bit more difficult. A little bit more difficult. There's ways to do it. There's more than just Russia proper. Um, so people, people aren't discerning, then we're in trouble. Yeah.
2: You don't think the Russians are posting that uh, Putin is
0: a dictator and stuff? I don't think that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there probably are some Russian citizens who were posting that. You're not going to see them for a while. Yeah. Uh, but but hey, let's say let's. Hands up for the people who are doing the, the independent news, Russia got kicked out, who set up sites just outside the country and kept it, kept it alive and are beaming things in through, you know, VPNs and the like. I mean, they're they're not giving up. You know, they're trying to get this, the word in to people. And it's difficult, but they didn't give up. So let's give them some credit because mm-hmm. no one knows what their names are either, but they're doing it for the for their country. But mm. are people actually?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, now, so in your Spy Devils and you, you've got right. fiction in there. How how, yep. how do you decide or create your character, um, the main characters in the yeah. book? Like is, 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 and and how do you experience them? And I I say this because you know we've had a lot of fiction writers and, and a lot of people will say it's their um, you know they see it and that the these these characters and they think of them as kids or family and they hear their voices and all this sort of stuff. What's your experience?
0: Well, a lot of, I try to say, is there somebody who I really know who I can base this on? Um, what, what can, can, uh, collection of characteristics, looks, activity, expertise. Can I put together and say, Oh, this is my friend, this, my friend, that, my friend, that. And I'll create this person. And that's a lot of how I sort of put them together. Uh, I give them a face of somebody who I know, even if it's not necessarily based on them. Uh, and then, I'll be honest with you, I, I think movies. But I'd say, okay, this person looks like Brad Pitt. This person looks like Audrey Hepburn. This person looks like that. So I give them a, if I don't have the face of my friends, I give them a face of somebody who I can visualize as I'm going in. They may not talk like them, unless they act like them. But I, a lot of times in my book, I will even say, this person looks like Orson Welles or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't know, I, I don't have a character that looks like Orson Welles. Maybe I'll start one. But no one even knows who Orson Welles is. Yeah. But, uh, well, and I, I teach him in my class. But the, so I try to do this combination of people who I, I've come across, know, and use the quality and characteristics of those people to create the core of who those people are. When it comes to looks, I might take who they were, one of those people, or I'll just grab a, a, a movie personality so I can visually see them up on stage in front of me and say, okay, Brad or Jake Gyllenhaal, who's kind of Bridger. Brad and Pitt and Jake Gyllenhaal are my main character, Bridger. That's what he, he looks like. So if you're listening, you know, buy my book." <laughs> um. so that's and in fact that's why I wrote it you kind know, of write it for those kind of people so this is how they would act this is how they kind of talk that's kind of how I hear it but 60% of the people who I build are based on people who I know in some sense yeah.
2: you could always use my face too if you want a
0: good looking character no I'm a little bit more discerning yeah. <laughs> and,
1: now I'm curious how that works when it comes to villains
0: Villains, villains is a different story because you don't, I don't really know that many villains. Um, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> well, I sort of, I, my later in my life, I worked on political campaigns overseas, um, for basically presidents and prime ministers. And so you kind of come across some different people. And so I, if you're looking, if you're looking for an oligarch from Eastern Europe or Ukraine or wherever, they're out there, and you can just—you've come across them. People have mentioned their name enough, and just go find them. Um, I—if I in my current book I'm working on, I needed a Chinese drug lord. Well, it just so happened that the big Chinese drug lord was arrested coming through Amsterdam, so he became the basis for my overall this this particular character, and plus other other things. So somewhere out there are the bad guys. I may not know them, but it just you you go find them who is who is the bad guy drug person who is the african warlord or something like that mm-hmm. and it, it, i i think the the key is to find people who can actually exist in reality you know they're not superhuman the bullet doesn't miss them they don't they make they don't make mistakes they, they're they're bad people chinese drug lords and they they have how they get there who they step on to get there how do you, how do you say that and get that across so that you feel their villainy versus your good guys. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're not quite so villainous all the time. Maybe they're actually sort of not decent or nice. Maybe they aren't decent and nice. They got a family too, but they just have a bad, bad profession. Yeah. Really, really bad profession.
1: Well, villains don't usually think they're villains. So they think they're just good people doing what they think they should do. So that's an easier way to write them as human beings.
0: Pablo Escobar and all those, even the girl ones today, I have a, they built zoos and hospitals and airports and schools and all these things for their, for their communities. Hmm. right? They were seen as great people in the communities because they were using their money for doing these things for a reason. Right? For reasons. Yeah. But they who's, who's, who doesn't want a good hospital? Who doesn't want a good school? So here's this awful drug lord who's doing these good things for his angle. So yeah, how do you, and how do you write that? Mm-hmm. How do you make how do you make that person sympathetic and unsympathetic at the same time? Yeah. That's where that's the balance I tried to in fact. That's my my editor and I are going through that right now. How do I make this person a little bit more one thing than the other without being ridiculous? Say, oh, they wouldn't do that. Uh, and so that's, that's a challenge of a writer, right? And you get better. I, I don't like, that's probably why I'm not the greatest bestseller in the world, just cliche characters. You know, the, 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 only this guy knows the president. We can save the world. <laughs> and the bullet never hits them, yeah. <laughs> and they 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 hear the bullet whiz by their ear, but they do double somersaults and roll down the stairs. They put the bullet right in the guys between the guys eyes. And I, and the, the, I know that's what people like to read, and I just I don't read my stuff. Yeah. I got a little bit of that. I was told you have to have some of that, so I changed my book to have some of that.
1: To make it more I,
0: I, I got, to make it more entertaining. People, do, when I wrote. The first two, the first draft of the spy devils about certain types of, I, I was in corporate intelligence at Motorola for 16 years. And so I thought I'd write a corporate intelligence book and how corporate intelligence overlaps with real espionage. And, and that'll be how this person who's not really an espionage person gets thrown into this wacky world, kind of like North by Northwest kind of sense. feeling. Mm-hmm. And, eh, eh, you know, red lights, sorry, no thank you, boring, not your main character. I actually wrote Bridger, my main character for in Spy Devils now, as a secondary character in that first draft of the book. And when I got done, I had Ryan Steck at the uh, uh, Best Thriller books, Best Spy book, uh, I'm getting a site wrong, but he's a good, great reviewer of, of espionage books, a good friend of espionage writers. And a couple others go, Who, who's your main character? This guy or Bridger? I go, I think it might be Bridger. They go, You're right, he's much more interesting. I want to know more about him, not this other book, who, by the (laughs) way, was based on me. So thank you very much. Uh, So I changed the book. I changed the main character. I changed the focus, and that's more has to be more more I call Bang Bang, which is more entertaining. And I get it. I'm all for it. And people like it. I think there's actually a decline of that kind of book right now. Um, But it's still what the market looks for. Um, I try to balance out that with real characters, real people stories that are a little bit more realistic perhaps i might be overstating it mm-hmm.
2: um, you mean, but you, you mean you didn't you weren't able to miss the bullets and fly downstairs and hit the guy in the head
0: no i did not no I, I i fell down the stairs lost my breath <laughs> <laughs> went back up the stairs and grabbed my shoes that fell off and ran away crying like a baby. You know?
2: <laughs> that's the real no, story.
0: That's, <laughs> that's the real story. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. So, but my, but my character, my main character, Bridger, he's, he's got some of those characters because you have to have that person. If you're writing thrillers and espionage, yeah. you can't just have the bumbling fool. Unless you're doing. Pink Panther or something like that. <laughs> um, You can have Sherlock Holmes be a drug addict, but he's still Sherlock Holmes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you you ever take people that you've run across in your life, in your experience, that you really don't like or that are terrible people and put them in your books and perhaps make them evil and have them killed off?
0: Uh, Have I done that? I I have... I have made caricatures of people or conglomerations of people in books who I very much know. uh, And if they really read closely, they might see themselves there. And I may not have had them in the most flattering light, or actually I may have had them in the reality light as opposed to how they may see themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But I haven't gone off and said, ah, I couldn't kill you in real life. Let me put you against the wall and shoot you, <laughs> shoot you here. Uh, but I, I do try to make, when when I wrote spy devils, I wanted it to be someone saying when they read it, yes, I see myself in that situation. I know that person, especially when it was more corporate oriented. I, I, I know that boss. I know that HR person who I kept in the book, by the way, um, <laughs> Yeah, because who likes HR? Right. (laughs) So, so, you know, they, they're, they're, they're that person and who likes, you know, pomp, pompous VPs and that type of quality, top of the corporate boardroom type of thing. That I tried to be realistic, but I want people to say, yeah, that's, that's me. I'm that, I'm that guy who had to go there or that person who had to go there and do that or does that every day. I wanted people to see themselves in some of these characters, not dreaming that I want to be, you know, uh, this superhero person who can fly type of person. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: Yeah. 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 So um, how do you like to interact with readers or fans or people and stuff like that? Are you, you've got a website and you do social media and stuff. What's your favorite? Let let the listeners know where they can find it.
0: yeah, well, of course, I, I talk. I, I, face-to-face is always great. Talking to people like you and answering questions, having to think on my feet or my chair, and trying to get some point of views across to being somewhat inspiring. That's always fun. When it – digitally, uh, it, it takes time. I'm actually hiring some help to help me out digitally. You know, Twitter and, and Facebook. and that. I'm old, so i got to be on Facebook. <laughs> I'm not going to be on t- – I'm, I'm not going to be on t- – when I first – I just digression when i did like i do surveys for my media classes and first day of class what social media do you use five six years ago was oh yeah facebook and twitter and now it's like facebook you know doesn't even show up (laughs) twitter maybe tiktok of course was nowhere now it's number one and there is no number two um youtube twitter so you know in a ways interact change Uh, what i would say when it comes down to content yeah. Do I read reviews? We I, we want reviews. Reviews are saying thank you to an author for for doing something that you may like and telling other people that hey, this might be worthwhile. But I also will accept constructive criticism, not negativity, not you know, hey, you suck. That doesn't really help me. But if you can say this was unclear, you needed this. This needs to be written better. All in. I'm listening. Write it up, and I'll try to pay attention to that. But there's a there's a on social media the people like me, the writers, we have our ongoing Twitter conversations and support each other. You got to support your, your fellow authors, and that support gets you in contact with more readers, and then you have readers starting to follow you more. and And I, and I got I started getting emails. This guy got extremely nice email from a gentleman who says I very rarely send emails to authors. But I really like your book and realism. So you know, that heartfelt. Thank you. I sat back I was just kind of patting my chest saying, Victory. <laughs> it, it it's like my wife, my wife is in her last year of teaching after all these decades. And, you know, sometimes they get good feedback, but she would have a parent come up or a student come up years later and say, No, your class really meant a lot to me. It made a difference. And that she and she would say, That's that's why I do this. Just for that. You know, on top of everything else, of course. But for the feedback that you get, you made a difference in somebody's life. So, so if you, you entertain somebody and they're going to take the time to actually write to you and tell you that, you know, thank you. And, so I, I, and, I, and I always respond, always. Even if it's just a thank you or appreciate it or something, I never don't respond when someone forwards something, likes something, whatever it might be. Because if they're taking the time to do that for me, I certainly should take the time to do it for them.
1: That's a good attitude.
2: Yeah. And, and please, everyone, send them something. <laughs>
1: yeah. So,
0: send, me, send me that negative criticism. I need yeah. some more.
2: Yeah, I guess let's get to have, see how many one stars we can get on here.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> I, yeah. The one, the one star I got, the guy never read the book. It was a, it was a sock puppet. I, I sent it to Amazon saying, hey, this guy didn't read the book. Said, I don't know what he's talking about. And they kept the, they kept the review up. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. and yeah. brought down the stars, of course, which is why they do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. but
2: I always they, hunt them down. You know,
0: <laughs> they hunt them down and you
2: can yeah. kill them. Oh yes. yeah, of course. The, what else? It gives me something. To I just,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. I don't do quite that. I kind of, I kind of don't ignore my. I go to the feedback page or the review page if one eye open saying is there anything new there. Um, yeah, and I always could use. I always need more reviews. I, I stop sort of asking when I send out a book or autograph. I keep I put a, a note in there saying I basically say reviews are a thank you, greatly appreciated if you have the time. Uh, just kind of as a push. Yeah. And I post that occasionally online. But if people feel the need to write reviews, it's appreciated. And I don't write as many as I do, but reviews count. I teach that in my classes. Reviews count. Yeah. People look at reviews. Who doesn't buy the microwave about reading the reviews first, right?
2: Well, so, yeah. At least look at the averages they do, right?
0: Yeah, and that's why you drive the average down. Yeah. Like those bad stars. Yeah,
2: so that's, I'm going to get but on that. Yeah.
0: If you're listening and you're a reader and you like the book, just take the time to think. Don't even put words. Just five stars, boom and off you go, or four, whatever number Yeah. But that just means a lot to somebody who spent months putting something together. Yeah, for entertainment, of course. You know,
2: we'll do that. You know, and That's- and um, everyone. You know, you need to buy one of these books, like the uh, Spy Devils or Secret Wars, an espionage story. And you know, yep. uh, Joe Goldberg, he really needs the money because he's not making a living. <laughs> on all
0: this. I'm and not making a
2: living. Off he's not making. This a is living my out. retirement.
0: Yeah, like this is 401k story. money is going. In.
2: Yeah, like
0: rebellious, re- rebellious sons, Spy Devils 2 should come out. This fall, I haven't announced the actual date yet, but it's it'll come out this year in the fall. So keep your eyes open for that one too. That's a shameless, selfless plug. So take yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And anyway. your
1: website is uh, joegoldbergbooks.com?
0: Exactly, It always will be. Yeah. yeah, and we're gonna have all that posted
2: now because we need to we need to help this man out. He dedicated his life to service for the country. We gotta get him a retirement here, and and please okay. review. You know.
0: Yes. Well, I and I have a motto. And I, I say for you two guys and anybody else, like, is it, you know, anything you do to help, let me know. So if you're a writer or somebody who's looking for things to do or doesn't know what to do, send me a note. Whatever I can do to help, I'll, absolutely. Because what else? what you need you need it. If you need it, whatever I can do to help. So I, I lay that out there.
2: Oh, there you go. You heard it here, only here. Well. <laughs> Joe, it's been wonderful, and uh, it's great talking to you. Um,
0: thank you very much. This has been this has been enlightening and, and thought provoking. Actually, I appreciate the, the insightful questions.
2: Well, again, our guest has been Joe Goldberg, and uh, he, he's he's writing books now, and he needs
0: <laughs> he needs money. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a good foot rub would be nice too. But I, don't think I can get that on the internet. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I can. But let's not go into that. That's that's Al's job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Joe.
1: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance.